A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, saw an angel come down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the abyss and a heavy chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, which is the devil, or Satan, and tied it up for a thousand years and threw it into the abyss, which he locked over it and sealed, so that it could no longer lead the nations astray until the thousand years are completed. After this, it is to be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones. Those who sat on them were entrusted with judgment. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, and who had not worshiped the beast or its image, nor had accepted its mark on their foreheads or hands. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Next I saw a large white throne and the one who was sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, the great and the lowly, standing before the throne, and the scrolls were opened. Then another scroll was opened, the book of life. The dead were judged according to their deeds by what was written in the scrolls. The sea gave up its dead. Then death and Hades gave up their dead. All the dead were judged according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the pool of fire. This pool of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the pool of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming, down of heaven, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The word of the Lord. Here God lives among his people. Here God lives among his people. My soul yearns and pines for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Here God lives among his people. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest in which she puts her young. Your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Here God lives among his people. Blessed they who dwell in your house. Continually they praise you. Blessed the man whose strength you are. They go from strength to strength. Here God lives among his people. Alleluia, alleluia. Stand erect and raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Consider the fig tree and all other trees. When their buds burst open, you see for yourselves and know that summer is now near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The Gospel of the Lord. Trusting you in you, I rush into battle is our theme for this encounter. And we got some interesting readings tonight that kind of go along with that. Especially, well, both the gospel and the first reading. But I'm going to look at the first reading. And this one's a particular interesting because it talks about the millennium, the thousand year reign something that uh, is very, I guess, uh, is interpreted poorly by, by certain people in, in our world, but the church has always, and lots of Catholics don't really understand what, I didn't even understand what it meant for the longest time, but we have an understanding of what this passage means. And so, kind of as an introduction, it's important to remember that we live in this polarized culture, and oftentimes when someone starts to express a certain point of view, um, oftentimes it, right away they'll call you a racist, you're a racist, you know. If, if you start to express a certain way of thinking, way of seeing things, something similar happens in theology if you start to kind of express a certain way of reading the Bible, they come out with something else. It's like another word that's like, just pushes you into a certain category of persons. What's that word? You're a fundamentalist. It means you're <laughs> like, whoa. It's like, the, it's like the equivalent of like the theological, like, you know, F word. Like you're like categorized into, into that. And, uh, <laughs> That's what it is, really. Um, so it's got this really, really negative connotation, the word fundamentalist. And the first thing to realize is that um, I think few people really understand what the word means, fundamentalist. The, most people don't really understand what the word means. That's the first thing to realize. Um, and the other thing to realize is that fundamentalism, although it has its deficiencies, although it's... We're not fundamentalist as Catholics. Um, fundamentalism or the fundamentalist way of reading the, the Bible has its problems. But if you ask me, it's not the biggest problem, or it's not even close to the biggest problem today in the world, in, at least in terms of, of biblical studies and theology. The real, the real problem that less people seem to mention is what's called modernism. Modernism is, is if you ask me, the big problem. Now, that's not to say that um, fundamentalism doesn't have its problems. One of which, and when they say fundamentalism, usually what they're trying to say is that someone who reads the Bible literally, well, you're, you're reading the Bible too literally. It's, it's, there's a symbolic meaning. And that's true, that can be true, 
that can be true, but it's not always the case. In fact, if you, if you, if you read the Bible catholically, usually most of the time we're understanding the Bible literally. For instance, when Jesus says, you know, in order to enter in the kingdom of God, you must be born of water and the Spirit. I mean, how do we understand that? Do we understand that symbolically or do we understand that literally? No, we understand that literally. You have to be born of water in order to enter in the kingdom of God. It's a literal baptism. Water baptism, we believe that. How about when Jesus says, uh, my, blood, my, 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 my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Now, Jesus meant that literally, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> right? that's, what, that's what we believe. We believe that the Eucharist is actually literally the body and blood of, of Jesus Christ. And so m many times, probably the majority of the times, when we read the Bible, we're reading it literally. And it's, it's really what, 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 what's being said is actual the reality. Now, that, like I said, that's not always the case. There are, you know, uh, exceptions to the rule. And such is the case with the reading we just got done reading with, with the, in the book of Revelation concerning the, the millennium and the end times. And so we live in this kind of this uh, United States and oftentimes many Catholics nowadays, especially after, you know, like the, the Left Behind series and all those kinds of things, Many Catholics oftentimes believe that the rapture is also a Catholic doctrine when it's in fact not. It's, there's big problems with it. And so if you haven't heard of the rapture, well, it's, I wouldn't, I'm not going to get into that now. But basically the idea of the, the, what, we, what we've heard about the, this, this thousand years has a lot to do with it. It's part of the whole scheme of the rapture. But like I said, we're gonna, I'm going to kind of like try and flesh it out a little bit at least, just so we get an idea of what this text actually means. And so basically the Protestants kind of, because they don't believe that the church is the kingdom, which, which it is, the, 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 the kingdom is here on earth, although it's in a mysterious form, invisible form, and a hidden form, it is here. And so they think that the, the, the kingdom the kingdom's not here because there's, all the churches are broken into like thousands of different groups. So how could the, the, the kingdom of God be here if all these different groups exist? So they think that the kingdom's going to come a little bit later in a, in a, in a form. And like, like I said, that has to do with this, this rapture doctrine. But um, one thing to keep in mind is what John... What, uh, Jesus says in John's gospel is my kingdom is not of this world and so Jesus is not going to come back and found a kingdom like in this world literally in Jerusalem like like some people believe but the kingdom is here but only in mystery and later on at, like I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it after the um, the final judgment then that's when the kingdom comes in plenitude but as, as for this text, let's take a look. So it says, 
Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and locked and sealed it over him so that he would deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be let out for a little while. All right, so there it is, a thousand-year reign. And what, what exactly does that mean? Well, basically, the fathers of the church up and down the, 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 the past 2,000 years have always understood that this is a symbolic way of speaking about the age of the church. So the thousand-year reign began when Jesus ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the beginning of the thousand-year reign. So this is, what the, this is what the catechism says. Since the ascension, God's plan has entered into its fulfillment. We are already at the last hour. Already the final age of the, of the world is with us. So one, someone could say, well, you know, I don't remember that the dragon was, you know, bound and thrown into hell. Like, I mean, I didn't see it, but it seems like he's running about. He's all over the place, right? What's going on here? I mean, did you miss that one? Well, That's true, but at the same time, there's something to keep in mind is that the devil was bound in a special way when Jesus instituted the sacraments. So the, the fact that the church is here and we have the sacraments, the devil is bound, especially for someone who's going to receive, is receiving the sacraments on a regular basis. So this is like, these, these are the sacraments, the power of God on earth. It is the kingdom of God on earth. So it's, that's how Satan is bound, is through the sacraments. And the word, the, the thousand is like a, basically just a symbolic number. I mean, it's, it's basically a word that, uh, a, a number that means like complete fulfillment, a bit kind of like 10. 10 is, is a, plen a number of plenitude and a thousand is, is even greater perfection and fullness. So then it goes on and it says, then I saw thrones and those seated on them were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony to Jesus and for the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. And so, like, the, it's kind of this interesting distinction that the author draws between the first resurrection and the second resurrection. And the first resurrection are those saints who go to heaven and are with God in paradise. So it's not like the bodily resurrection, but the souls who 
truly enjoy God, the vision of God in heaven, but having experienced the second resurrection being the, the really the true resurrection where body and soul come together again. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And probably the most important aspect about this is like the big difference and you know what I what I when I was looking at the um, the the subject of the rapture being this idea that Jesus is going to come to this earth and reign during like a, a thousand year reign before the final judgment and then there's going to be this rapture of people up to God or whatever I didn't really see anything wrong with it for the longest time and then it kind of dawned on me that yeah, now I understand what the deception is. It doesn't really seem like that big of a problem, but the, 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 the deception that it introduces is the idea that you're going to escape persecution. You know, if you're a true Christian, you're going to be able to like, get out of the whole uh, suffering and persecution and difficulty of the Christian life because you're going to be whisked away into heaven. Before all that happens. And so that's why the church has come in and in the catechism had said that is not the case. In fact, the end times that we are living in now means precisely difficulty, passion, and death. As the catechism says, the church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through... The final Passover, when she will follow her Lord in his death and resurrection. So that basically means that, you know, if you're going through difficulty, suffering and persecution, well, that is... That means you're close to Jesus that, because that means you're close to his passion and death. It doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. No, it probably means you're doing the right thing. That's where you're, that's where you're supposed to be. That's where you're meant to be. Christian is, meant to, is, is supposed to die with the Lord is, and in order to reach the resurrection. It's only through this path. It's only through the cross where you get to the, get to the glory. Then it goes on, it says, The kingdom will be fulfilled then not by historic triumph of the church through a progressive ascendancy, but only by God's victory over the final unleashing of evil. So basically, before things get better, they're just going to keep getting worse. It's kind of like bad news, but that's how it is. That's, that's That's what we believe. So that's what the, and that's what we're, we're, we're meditating on during this, this, um, this encounter, trusting in you, I rush into battle. You know, what, what's waiting for you back home? Well, it's going to be, it's going to be the cross. That's what it is. That's what the Christian life is. And that, and if you're experiencing cross, it means you're doing the right thing because that's what, that's what our, that's what our, what our, what our, what our destiny is, is to die with Jesus. And that's difficult, that's hard, but that's why we're here in the Mass, because it's one thing to experience 
difficulty from the exterior, from people outside. But as long as we have, when, we, when we're living in the sacraments, there's no reason why we can't have a peace of heart and uh, uh, happiness within ourselves knowing that we're on the right path. And so we have the sacraments and that's what's, what's, what's binding Satan. We're binding him with the, with the sacraments. We have the Eucharist. This is, this is Jesus in us. And he binds Satan in our life. And so that's what we can pray for tonight, that he continue to do that. So we have the, the peace of living in God's will, but knowing that from outside, we're going to experience cross. And that's completely normal. That's how it should be. That's, what, 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 that's what, why we're here, is to suffer with Jesus and die on the cross with him. So let's just pray for courage to really try and live this well, this, this little phrase, trusting in you, I rush into battle. 